0: Keep your Bibles open to Ephesians 4. And that text that was just read is the basis for our sermon series here in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32, which we have titled Transformed by the Renewing of Your Mind. And it is my prayer and my desire that each one of us here would understand what it means for us to be changed to be transformed, to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And what I want you really to see throughout this series is that that we are new persons in Christ, that God has made us this new person. Because you are a new person in Christ, that you must walk like Christ by renewing your mind with the truth of Christ. I think that's how you could sum up Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 17 through 32, right there. In fact, when you look at those verses, what you see is that verse 17 through 19 talk about why we need to be transformed. And verses 20 through 24 talk about how God transforms us. And then verses 25 through 32, what transformation looks like. And at the heart of this book is the idea that we are being transformed to be like Christ. God's work in our life, God's the reason God has saved us is to sanctify us. In fact, look in Ephesians chapter 5. Would you do that before we go into chapter 4? Look in Ephesians 5 and notice in verse 25 where Paul the apostle Paul the apostle is writing to husbands, but notice what he says about Christ in verse 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So why did Christ love and give his life? Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, that he might set her apart. That's us. He might set us apart unto himself, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And so God's call for us to come out of darkness and out of the world is a call unto holiness, to be like Christ. You could say it like this, God's goal for your life is that you would be like Jesus Christ. And so we are in our text this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, and our verses, the verses that we are looking at this morning are verses 20 through 21, where we are going to learn to walk like Christ by learning Christ. Well, we were in the Greenville Zoo in South Carolina when our kids were younger, and we loved to go by the monkey cages. How many of you in here love to go to the zoo and go to the monkey cages? Well, that was a favorite place that our family loved to go, And when you have little ones, and you go to the monkey cages, you see those monkeys swinging around, making those monkey noises, kind of annoying and loud, especially the ones we would go look at. And eventually, what you find is these little ones are making their own monkey noises, and they're swinging around. And even after you leave the monkey area, you're like, seeing kids jump on top of picnic tables like monkeys and swinging from bars, and they're making the monkey sounds. Ooh, ooh I'm not going to try to do that this morning. But... And at some point as a parent, you say, okay, you're not a monkey. <laughs> you're a, a boy or a girl. You're a human. Act like a human. <laughs> you know? And you get in the car, and you're in the car, and they start making those monkey noises again, and you're saying, act like a human. You're not a monkey. Well, here in Ephesians chapter 4, Verses 20 through 21, Paul is saying that you are not in the world anymore. You're not of the world, I should say, anymore. You are a new person in Christ. Therefore, you should walk like Christ. In fact, I think the big idea of these two verses is that you must walk like Christ by learning Christ. And so if you look at verses 20 through 21, let me just read our text here this morning and and introduce to you really how God transforms us to live like Christ, to walk like like Christ. And that is as we learn Christ. Notice Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 20 says, But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him. And we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And so we're going to look at today how God transforms us to to live like Christ, to walk like Christ. Like, How can you in your life be like Christ? Well, this verse talks about it. And first what we're going to see is that you learned Christ when you became his disciple. So God transforms us as we learn Christ, and we learn Christ when we, when we became his disciple. Look at verse 20. That very first word is the word, but. That's a conjunction that contrasts what happened before with what he's going to say now. It distinguishes what you once were, in, in verses 17, 18, and 19, to what you are now in Christ. And Paul does this throughout Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, You were once under wrath, but God in his mercy. Now you're under God's mercy. Chapter 5, verse 8, he says, You were darkness, but now you are light. So he, he contrasts between what you once were with what you are now. So in verse 20 here, the contrast is you once thought like this, you once thought of Christ and God like this, that is in the futility of your mind, but you learned Christ. Now you think differently. And so therefore what he's saying is we must think differently as Christians. We must think and therefore live different than the world. And how does the world think I mean, look back in verse 17, 18, 19, you can see right there, that's how the world thinks. In fact, you can, you can start in verse 19 and you can wind your way up to verse 17 and, and see the decay of the sinful nature. In fact, if you look in verse 19, you can see there that there's the disposition of those without Christ to be callous to be controlled by their sinful desires. So they're callous to the will of God. They're controlled by their sinful desires. And in verse 18, we see it's because they are willfully ignorant. Their hearts are hard. That that leaves them therefore alienated from God, dark to the truth, blind to the truth of God. And then verse 17, you can see it results in a, a mind that's futile. Their minds have no thoughts of God. God's holiness, God's grace, God's justice doesn't mean anything to them because they are their own gods. Self-rules, they are living life ruled by self and for self. And you can see that at the very beginning of verse 17 where he says that they walk that way. The reason they walk like they walk is because they think like they think And that comes from a a disposition, a, a nature that's orientated against God. In fact, I put this little diagram on the screen to show you this. And that is this last week we saw this. Your walk, in other words, what you do each day, what you say, how you live your life, your walk is a product of your thoughts, what you think, which is orientated by your inner disposition. So this is biblical psychology 101. If you want to know why a person does what they do, consider what the person thinks. What do they believe about God? What do they believe about God's word? And that will reveal that person's relationship with Christ or lack thereof. So what he's saying here in these first few words of verse 20 is we are not to think and act like the world because we have learned something else. So look at verse 20. He says, That is not the way you learn. That's a, that's a thinking word. That's not the way you learned Christ. You learn cro- Christ in a completely different way. So your walk is to be different from the world because your thoughts are different than the world. And what are your thoughts about? Your thoughts are about Christ. So that's why I believe this text is telling us that your walk, that you must walk, I should say you must walk like Christ by, that's a very important word, by learning Christ. Before Paul the Apostle was converted, he hated Christians. He murdered Christians. He imprisoned Christians. Christians. I mean, why was Paul the Apostle such a mean person, a terrible person? I mean, why did he have such animosity? Why was he such a tyrant? Well, what was his mind thinking? Think about what he thought about. He had no thought of Christ as truly the Lord. Christ in his mind was a fraud. He saw Jesus Christ as a hindrance to Judaism. And that came from his hard heart. In other words, he had an inner disposition that he did not want to submit to Jesus Christ at all. But what changed for Paul on the Damascus road? He did, he learned something. What did he learn? He learned Christ. He learned that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the light of truth revealed the darkness of his deception. And on that road, He recognized that Jesus is Lord. He responded in faith. And what were his very first words? What do you have me to do, Lord? Like, how can I obey you? How did that walk, how did that response come about? It's because in his mind, and his heart, he recognized that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul was able to walk like Christ because Paul learned Christ. And so notice in verse number 20, he says that we learned, and notice what did we learn? We learned Christ. It's kind of an odd way to say it, right? We typically learn subjects, right? Or philosophies or teachings. Some of you kids are in school, right? You learn subjects. What's some of your favorite subjects in school? How many of you like math? Any kids like math in here? Okay. How many science? Okay. And how many... Love lunch. That's your favorite subject. Okay, that was mine growing up. I got a free drink every day, so that was fun. Other than that, I don't know if I loved it that much, but the food wasn't the greatest. So what's interesting here is he's not saying you love a certain subject. It's not like I love soteriology or I will love this doctrine. He's saying, he's saying, I learned Christ that's grammatically not really something you're supposed to say. You don't learn a person, right? You learn something about a person. So what's happening here in this verse? Well, he's saying that you entered into a discipleship relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, what makes Christianity so unique and, and, and actually supernaturally transforming is that the subject of our faith is a person the one we know and we learn about is the one who saves us. So we learned. And notice in verse 20, that's a past tense. You learned Christ. In the Greek, that's an aorist past tense. So it's a, a point in time, which means that there was a point in time when you learned something and you were converted. So this is speaking about that time when you heard the gospel. You learned who Christ truly is, that he is the savior. He is the redeemer. You are a sinner and you responded in repentance and faith. So think about that. That's what he's talking about. If you're a believer in this room, he's talking about that moment of conversion. So he's saying you learned this. That word learned is interesting because it's a verb. And the noun form of that verb is disciple, disciple. Learned is the verb form of the noun disciple. So in verse 20, he's, this is a reference to when you became a disciple. What is a disciple? Well, the word disciple is a follower learner. It's one who follows someone to learn from someone. I mean, at, at this time in the first century, there would be those disciples who would sit at the feet of other individuals and they would learn from that person. And so what you're doing here in this text or what he's doing in this text He's saying you learn from Christ, but it's not just learning from him. You are committing your life to learning from him and trusting in him. So verse 20 is teaching that conversion to Christ is entering into a different type of relationship. It's entering into a a discipleship relationship that's a learning relationship where you learn who Jesus Christ is and you learn more of who he is and therefore you submit to him, you trust him, you love him. And when you learn Christ, when you entered into this discipleship relationship, you learned of him, you responded to him, but that learning did not stop right there. You see, being a disciple of Jesus isn't just knowing some facts, it's not repeating some type of prayer, Conversion is not some type of cold intellectual agreement to things that the Bible says are true. No, conversion to Christ and being a disciple of Christ is entering into a personal relationship with Christ. One whereby you desire to know him. So therefore you can love him. It's interesting when Paul, or it's interesting when Jesus talked to Peter. He said to Peter, or some of the very last things we have rec- recorded in John is that he said to Peter, "Peter, do you, what? Do you love me? Not, not Peter. Did, did you follow the formula? Did you follow the formula? He's saying, Peter, do you have a relationship with me, and that you love me, like you genuinely have a desire for me." The disciple of Christ learns Christ. And here's the thing. The more you learn about Christ, the more you love Christ. Paul said it was his desire to die. Why? So he could be with Christ. Well, why do you want to be with Christ? Because he loved Christ. You see, the more Paul knew of Christ, the greater his desire was to be with Christ because it increased his love for Christ. If you don't love Jesus very much, then you don't know Jesus very much. Learning Christ is the fuel to light the fire of your love for Christ. The knowledge of Christ upon the mind of a disciple is like gasoline on a fire. Every time you pour God's word upon your mind... If your heart is submitting to the Holy Spirit, when that knowledge of Christ gushes forth from the word of God, it ignites your heart on fire. The knowledge of Christ upon the disciples' mind causes his heart to be inflamed with love. If I could pinpoint a time in my life when God really began to change me, it was when I was a young adult. And I was playing soccer in college and I enjoyed that and I was having a really fun college experience. And then I was injured and I was stuck in a room and there was no phone in there, no cell phone even. I mean, they didn't really, people didn't really have many of those back then. Anyways, makes you feel old, but no TV, no internet. All I had was my books. Someone brought a tape player with me with a bunch of sermons, and I had my Bible. It was one of the best experiences of my life because I had a question I had to ask. Is that, do I really want to know Jesus Christ? And I opened my Bible up. I read my Bible like I've never, never read it before. I listened to those sermons more intently than I've ever listened to sermons before. And do you know what the result was from that? My love for Christ increased, and God began to change me. So, this is how God changes us. It's through learning Christ. And so, you learn Christ when you became a disciple. And, and so, that conversion is described as you learned Christ. And then, second, you learn Christ when you heard who he is. When you heard who he is. Notice in verse 20 and verse 21. The three verbs found there. Can you find the three verbs in verse 20 and 21? The first verb in verse 20 we've talked about, it's learned. You learn Christ. What are the next two verbs in verse 21? You have heard and you were... What's interesting, you were taught. What's interesting about these two, these three verbs is they are all the same tense. They're all past tense, eris, which means that verse 20 and 21 are all talking about our conversion experience. That is, that you learned Christ, assuming if, like indeed, if this is true, if it's true that you were truly converted, if you really became a disciple, then here is what happened. You heard about him and you were taught in him. So verse 21 describes your conversion when you learned Christ. And again, these two things happen. You heard about him and you were taught in him. In him. And notice in verse 21, it says, you heard about him. What's interesting is this, is that if you look in the, the Greek text, you will not find the word about in there. So this was inserted in here by the translators to help us understand this, this verse and what is being communicated here. And here's the question that people debate about this is, should we include the word about in there? If you say you heard Christ, that means you heard directly from him. If you heard about Christ, that means you heard the content was about who Jesus is. So here's the question. Should we have it in there? Well, let's look at the answer. Let's look for the answer back in chapter 2. So go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and look in verse 13. So here's the question. Is it that they heard, the Ephesians heard Jesus, or did they hear about Jesus? Verse 13 but now, in Christ Jesus, you, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So there's the gospel, and he continues to give the gospel through verse 16. Notice verse 17, chapter 2, verse 17. And he, that's Christ, came and preached peace to you. So, so here you have the, 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 these Ephesians... And the scripture says, Christ preached to them. Now, how is that possible? I mean, they weren't in the Middle East. And even more than that, Jesus was in heaven. So it wasn't like, was Jesus on earth coming down and preaching to them? Well, Christ preached to them through the preaching of Paul the apostle. And when Paul the apostle preached the word of the Lord, it was as if, and it truly was, Christ preached. Preaching through him. In fact, Acts 19.10, this is the exact words that is used to describe Paul's preaching to them. They, Scripture says, heard the word of the Lord, the word of Jesus Christ. So when the Ephesians heard the word like this, Jesus was speaking through the apostle Paul. And again, how is that possible? Well, because Paul the apostle was filled with the spirit of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, and he preached the word of Christ. And therefore, we could accurately say Christ preached to them. Christ preaches in services like this to the degree that the preacher accurately communicates the word of God found in the scripture. And that's why it's so important. Whoever teaches in classes like these, or if you have a Bible study, or if you're in a service like this, whoever is communicating the word, that they communicate what the Bible actually says and not their opinion. Because Christ doesn't speak through your opinions. He speaks through the word. I was listening to a sermon this past week and the preacher was preaching and my heart burned within me in this text because I was studying it, came back to my mind, and I was, as, as I was listening to him, I thought, Christ is preaching to me right now. And I think that's the perspective that we are to have. We're to have that type of reverence to God's word. We're to, we're to have that type of mindset. If you are up here declaring God's word, whether you're singing or preaching or whatever it is, if you are communicating God's word, you need to remember that you are communicating on behalf of Christ, so there should be humility, there should be an accuracy. there should be a motive to glorify the Lord alone and not yourself. So go back to verse 21 and notice chapter 4, verse 21, I should say. Chapter 4, verse 21, notice he says, you have heard about him. So is it heard about him or is it heard him? Well, here's the question also. When Jesus preached through the apostle Paul, What did he preach about? Christ. In other words, the content of the Bible, of the gospel, is about who Jesus Christ is. So I actually think it can be accurate to say that you can translate it. I think it's legitimate to translate it. You heard about Christ. When Jesus physically preached on earth, he preached the word of God. And he said himself... In Luke 24, John 5, 39, that the scripture is about me, about Jesus. And so we can say from the authority of Jesus Christ that when we communicate this right here, we're preaching Christ, we're preaching about Christ, and Christ is preaching through the preacher. And that should change, therefore, how we view the word of God, shouldn't it? That should change how we view the preaching of God's word, the study of God's word. So, how, how does the learning of Christ transform your life? Well, as you learn of Christ, or I should say, as you learn Christ, you learn who He is, and you respond in faith, and the Holy Spirit, therefore, transforms your inner person and makes you like Christ. In fact, Go back to Acts chapter 19. I want to show this to you in real life. Acts chapter 19. See, see the knowledge of Christ has a transformational effect. When you hear about who God is, or I should say, when you hear about who Christ is in the gospel, you hear who he truly is, that knowledge, empowered by the Holy Spirit, can open your mind from darkness to light. It can soften the calloused conscience. It can cause a heart to repent and believe the gospel. So if you look in Acts chapter 19, what you see here, starting really in verse number 18 down through verse 20, you see this transformation, the description of the transformation of this church. There were believers in the city of Ephesus that had a former life that was full of idolatry, demonic worship, witchcraft, sexual immorality, satanic magic. I mean, the, the city of Ephesus, about 250,000 people, was a very dark, sadistic place. And there are people that responded to the gospel who had followed once Satan in that way. They had lived in darkness in that way, but, but God transformed them. In fact, notice in verse number 10, notice the the word, the verbiage there of what Paul preached to them. I said this earlier, uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 10, notice it's the word of the Lord that spread. It's the word of the Lord that Paul preached. And then now go down to verse 18, because verse 18 says that there were many of those who were now believers. So they believed the word of the Lord. They learned Christ. You could say it that way. And they came confessing and divulging their practices. So these former demon worshipers, right? I mean, these are people who did witchcraft, wicked, terrible, vile stuff. They openly testified what they had once done was wrong. It was wicked. It was sinful. Verse 19. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. So imagine that site, this huge bonfire full of these demonic books. And this is them saying, testifying, we have left this old way of life. We don't think that way anymore. We have learned something else. We've learned Christ. In fact, look at verse 19. He goes on to say, and they counted the value of them, that is the books that they burned, and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Some commentators suggest in today's value, those books could have been worth four to five million dollars. Now, what would possess someone, no pun intended, but what would possess someone to burn something worth four to five million dollars? Right? That does not make any sense. Why would you throw all that away? Well, because they learned something was far more valuable than that. And what was far more valuable? Or I should say, who was far more valuable? It was Christ. And the, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ transformed their life. In fact, look at verse 20. You can see that. Verse 20. So the word of the Lord. I mean, it's repeated again. It's like, I don't want you to miss this. This wasn't just like, oh, I decided to make a decision. Or it wasn't some kind of magical, other magical formula from the, from the Jesus magic. No, this is The word of the Lord, that's the power of God into salvation, continued to increase and prevail mightily. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. See, the knowledge of Christ taught them that Jesus is more valuable than even four to five million dollars. The knowledge of Christ, what they learned when they followed Christ, but it's also what they, they they continued to value as they continued to follow Christ. I said Ephesians 4, but actually I want you to go to Ephesians 1. Because what I want to demonstrate right now to you is how valuable, how important is this knowledge of Jesus Christ? And if you look in Ephesians chapter 1, we do not have time to go through every verse. So I'm just going to land on a couple verses. So Ephesians 1, notice the Ephesians. Transformational power of knowing Christ. Verse 9 God makes known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So, God's glorious grace I mean, all of those verses in Ephesians chapter 1 that's the glorious grace of God is communicated to you through the knowledge of Christ. It's like how God gives you the gift. He delivers it through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Go down to verse number 17, because then Paul can't help but pray for the church. And what is, what is his prayer for the church is that they would know Christ more. Look at verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. That's knowledge or that's the, the knowing Christ, having this wisdom that is within your mind of the revelation and notice this in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your uh, hearts enlightened so you, so you understand how the knowledge of Christ applies to you notice verse 18 that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance to his, in the saints go to chapter 3 notice in verse 3 so Ephesians 3:3 3, 3, notice Paul says God had made known to him the knowledge of Christ verse 3 the mystery of the gospel of Christ was made known to me by revelation and then notice in verse 13 or sorry verse 18 again he prays it's like he just can't help when he talks about the gospel he can't help but respond in prayer for the church what does he pray for the church verse 18 he prays that they may have that they may be strengthened to comprehend. That is, they can understand. Understand what? With all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to, what's the next word? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What is it that we are to know about Christ in this text of scripture? It's his love. Some people go to this prayer right here and they think Paul is praying that we would love Christ more. Do you know that's not, that's not the prayer here. The prayer is that you would know the love of Christ more because as you know of Christ's love more, in other words, as you know Christ more, the more you will love Christ The prayer here as a church would learn more and more about the love of Christ. And guess what? You can learn about the love of Christ for eternity, and you'll never understand it all. You can get a PhD in the love of Christ, and you will still be in kindergarten in God's school. And notice the effect of truly knowing Christ, verse 19, that you may be filled with all the of God. The fullness of God is the sum of God's holy character found in the person of Christ. So he's saying, as you know Christ, you will grow to love Christ. But as you know Christ, he can fill you up so you can be like Jesus Christ. Go to chapter 4. Notice Ephesians 4. In verses 10, 11, and 12, the scripture teaches that God's grace to you is to give you the scripture... And that is the apostles and the prophets and to give you pastors and evangelists to teach the scripture. So God's gift to you is the word of God. And those who teach God's word to you, what do they teach to you? What does the scriptures teach? What do those pastors teach? Verse 13, until we all, that's the church attain. This is the goal to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of God. That's Jesus to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is to say that you are completely conformed to be like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And and how do we get to that goal? It's through the word of God as we know Christ in the word. So how does the learning of Christ transform your life? You're transformed by hearing Christ in the word. So go back to Ephesians 4 and verse 20. Because he says in verse 20 and 21 that you learn Christ when, if you truly heard about him at your conversion. And then we are to continue to know Christ as we hear about him in the word of God. Here's a question. If you want your life to be transformed. If you want to have a marriage that is truly transformed, if you want to have relationships that are transformed, if you want God to change what you say to people or how you think about other people, or if you want God to truly have a supernatural work in your life, or you're changed to be like Christ, how does that take place? The scripture is very clear. It's through knowing him. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And do you want to know the next word? Learn. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, isn't that what you want? Don't you want rest for your soul? I mean, some of you, some of us, we're very anxious, right? S- some of us, we have some guilt upon our souls, and it's weighing us down. Some of you have decisions you're trying to make, and you're just like, I just don't know what the decision. You're like, I really want that rest. He says, come to me and learn from me. The most important, most valuable treasure in this entire world is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in a prayer to his father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In other words, God, he accomplishes his work to make us like Jesus Christ through the word of God. It's where we know Christ How does God demonstrate his love to you? Well, he doesn't let you stay in your sin. He changes you. He transforms you. He saves you so he can sanctify you. Learning Christ through the word must be the most important priority in our life. Can I ask you this question? Is knowing Christ and God's word, is that your most important priority? I mean, if it is, it changes. It changes how you view the teaching of God's word, the preaching of God's word. It changes your, your priorities of your own time in the word of God. We must delight in the word of God by delighting in Christ. Jesus, or I should say Paul the Apostle, he said I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says that I may know him. And Paul was saying that if he were to stack up all the pleasures of this world against the knowledge of Christ, he's saying all the pleasures of the world is like one big pile of dung poo. I mean think about all the pleasures of this world, social media theme parks, camping at the beach. That's actually pretty fun, if you like sand. The most entertaining movies, the sweetest foods, the most luxurious mansions with pools and grand halls, the most adrenaline-pumping, mind-mesmerizing pleasure, the most beautiful places. Stack all those things up and then say, knowing Jesus, which one would you say is more valuable? Paul says, all of that, the pleasures of this world, are like a big pile of trash, compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's how valuable the knowledge of Christ was to the Apostle Paul. And you might say, well, that was the Apostle Paul. Like He's a missionary. He's supposed to think that way. But no, actually what our text this morning is saying, that actually that describes Christianity. Christians are learners of Christ. I've heard people say before, well, I know a lot already, so I really don't need to attend classes or really study my Bible that much, or I don't really need preaching because I already know a lot of things. And I'm just, let me just say, if you've thought that, that's a very scary mindset. Because that attitude demonstrates pride and arrogance and, and, frankly, an immense spiritual immaturity. Paul said himself, I have not already attained. And if Paul the Apostle said that, how can you think that way? You show me a person who thinks they don't need to learn Jesus Christ, and I'll show you either a very spiritually immature person or a person who's not even a believer in Jesus. That's how serious it is. But you show me a person who loves to feast on the knowledge of Christ, a person who loves to study their Bible. They want to grow through preaching. They they read Books about the Lord because they want to grow in their knowledge of the Lord and I'll show you a person who is being transformed to be like Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture is teaching. The reason we have a service like this, one of the reasons, the reasons we have classes like we do, the reason we have home groups, the reasons we have a library back there. Some of you are like, what are those books on the wall? Okay, reasons we have a library, it's so you can to know Christ more so you can be transformed to be like him. So we learn Christ as we hear who he is. And then last of all, you heard Christ, you learn Christ when you heard who he is, but also when you were taught who you are in Christ. We're actually not going to spend a lot of time on this because this will kind of dive us into the next week. But notice verse number 20 and 21. So you learn Christ when, if, this is true, you heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So you heard who Christ is and what he's done for you. And then you were taught in him. What is that talking about? This means you were taught who you are because of Christ. You were taught in him is probably some of the most important, or reflects some of the most important truth that you could ever learn in your entire life. This is speaking about our union with Christ. If you you look down in your Bibles, look at verse number 20. I want you to follow your eyes down to verse 24, and notice that this is all one sentence. Verse 20 to verse 24 is one sentence. And why is that important? Because if you look in verse 21, and you see where it says, "...in him..." Paul actually teaches what does it mean that we are in him in verses 22, 23, and 24. In other words, the content of what you learn about Christ is who he is, and then, therefore, who you are in him. And you might hear that in him and think, well, what's the big deal? Well, this is speaking about Christ's work, his person, his work, being applied to your life at your conversion. In him, or you've also heard it as in Christ, means that God united you with Jesus at your conversion so that all of his grace and all of his blessings are yours. It's like sitting in a lawyer's office and there's the lawyer reading the last will and testament of a person. The lawyer says, you are in the will, and you find out to be in the will means that you now own all of that person's stuff. It's yours. The phrase in Christ, in him, is like the will and testament being read to you and saying everything that's Jesus is yours. To be in him means that your inner person has been so supernaturally fused to Jesus Christ that whatever is true of Jesus is now true of you. And that's why you want to know Christ more. Because what's, what's true of Jesus is true of you. I mean, if, if there's a lawyer reading that paper, the last will and testament, and he says, okay, everything that's his is yours, you're going to say what next? What's his? <laughs> and he's going to tell you, oh, that's the house and this. And you're going, oh, all those things are mine now. And see, here's the Christian life. It's saying we're in him God says all the things that are Jesus are now yours. He died for your sin, so now you're dead to sin. He rose again from the grave, so now you're alive in him. That God's love is yours, God's righteousness is yours, God's holiness is yours. And you're like, this is an infinite amount of wealth that's mine. And so what you're, the Christian life is this. I want to know who Christ is because all of that's mine. That's what in Christ means. In Christ is like the key that opens up the vault of God's infinite grace. And when you look inside that vault, you look at the treasures of Christ and you turn over those treasures and your name's written on it. Christ's treasure is your treasure. Well, again, we're not going to get into all this because that's really what verses 22, 23, and 24 are about. It's about what does it mean to be in Christ? I do have an assignment for you, though. Would you read through the book of Ephesians? Count how many times you see the phrase in Christ or in him or in the beloved. And we'll see if my count matches your count next week. And, and don't cheat and try to look it up on the internet either. I haven't yet, but maybe I will. So I can't promise I'm not going to do that. The so verse 21 is saying, at your conversion, you learn Christ by hearing who he is, by being taught who you are now because you are now in Christ. And then notice, as the truth is in Jesus, this means that Jesus embodies the truth. It's interesting he uses the word Jesus, not Christ. This is not something that's common for Paul to say you're in Jesus here. What he's saying here is he's saying Jesus is the truth. He embodies the truth. Jesus is the incarnate truth. He's the reality. He's the reality that shows us what God's truly like. Jesus' word is the inscripturated truth. And so if you want to know the truth, You want your life transformed by the truth as opposed to the deception that those in the world think about. If you want your life to be transformed with the truth, you go to Christ and you go to his word. So as we conclude here this morning, a couple of questions I think all of us need to ask ourselves. And first and foremost, it's are you truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you truly living a life that's a learner follower? You say, well, I I did this one thing once and I said this one thing once. Well, the Bible doesn't give a formula for you to be a disciple. It's this, do you know who Christ truly is? And are you living a life believing that's true for you? So are you a disciple of Christ? And do you long to continue to, to learn more of Christ? I mean, when we talk about that, when we're like, hey, you can open up the, the vault of God's grace, you can find out all these things about Christ and they're yours. Are you like, wow, I, I really want to know. Like, I really, I, I want to find out some of those treasures. Are you like, man, it sounds like a lot of big words that I don't really know about. And, and again, sometimes it can be a little bit daunting. But man, if we really know the Lord, Jesus Christ, we'll want to know him more. And, and the fuel for your love for God, for your love for other people comes from knowing who he truly is. So are we truly learner followers of Jesus Christ? Let's pray.